Hi everyone, Philip Sutka here. I have a small favor to ask. I recently updated the Dark River website and with it launched a new mailing list for the podcast. An email list is any author or podcaster's superpower. It's the most direct way that creators such as myself can connect with their audience. I have an exciting announcement coming soon and would like to share it with you first. And I'm going to need your help in launching this new development. So if you would be so kind... Go to darkriver.ca and access the hidden episode at the top of the homepage to sign up for the mailing list. Not only will you be the first to know about updates, but you'll also have access to a behind-the-scenes look at how I created each of the stories. If you try it for a bit and decide that it's not for you, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any of the emails. Believe me, I will not take offense. I will just be so thankful that you were willing to give it a shot in the first place. So head over to darkriver.ca, access the hidden episode, and join the ghosts in uncovering the town's secrets before anyone else. And now, on with today's story. Thank you for joining me in this strange small town in northern Ontario. My name is Philip Psutka. If this is your first time visiting, I'll be your guide. If you're a familiar face, it's good to have you back. The town embraces newcomers and old friends alike. But be warned, it doesn't easily let you go. So dim the lamps, settle in. Welcome to Dark River. Gregory's father was a swamper. Every September, his father would leave the small family farm at daybreak and disappear into the nearby forest where he would join the other swampers and fellers in preparation for logging later that winter. Farmers often switched professions and became lumberjacks in northern Ontario at the turn of the century during the colder months. There was very little they could do with crops throughout the harsh winter, and they needed an income to support their families. Work was seasonal, but never-ending. As logging expanded throughout the forests surrounding Dark River, more bunkhouses needed to be built to house the men throughout the week. After working tirelessly for six days, their one reprieve came on Saturday nights when they would drink, dance, and let loose. They could sleep in the next morning, as Sunday was their single day off from the grueling labor. But in order to build the bunkhouse, they first had to clear a path through the forest and build a tote road leading to the bunkhouse. September was the ideal time for this, as most of the crops had yet to be fully harvested, and the heat from the summer was dissipating, while the brutal cold had yet to arrive. After school each day, Gregory would return home and give his mother a quick kiss on the cheek before running outside to see the change in the forest near the end of their property line. He'd cross the field and stare into the entrance that hadn't been there just months before. For a while, the view remained the same, an opening with a path that extended beyond where the eye could see, like a doorway to another realm. 
Gregory had always been fascinated by stories of enchantments and fairies, so the woods held a reverence and fascination for him that nothing else could replace. But his father had given strict instructions never to enter the forest here, for work was being done, and the last thing they needed was for a boy to stray in and get lost, or worse, wander into the area where they were working while giant pines were being toppled. So he stood at the edge each day, letting his imagination wander down the path in his stead, exploring all the fantastical places it could. He went on many adventures in his mind, knowing that one day he would enter, but not today. Everything was the same, day in and day out, until one morning when he was getting ready to leave and noticed that his mother was pacing around the kitchen. She was clearing dishes from breakfast as she always did, but she seemed preoccupied, agitated. Gregory knew better than to press the issue, so he just yelled a goodbye and headed out the door. When he returned later that day, though, it had gotten worse. As soon as he entered the house, he could feel the tension hanging like a fog. What had changed? It wasn't until later, when he was staring into the entrance to the forest and the new tote road winding its way in, that he realized that he hadn't heard his father return home last night after dinner. By the time his father would come in, Gregory was often in bed, though not asleep. He would lie awake and listen for the opening of the front door and the low, familiar voice quietly conversing with Gregory's mother. Nights were challenging for the boy. He hadn't slept through a night since nearly a year ago, Halloween night, to be exact. That was when he had attended the Barker Halloween corn smash with his family. He had snuck off with Nelson and Jack on a pre-planned mission to enter the famous Barker corn maze, to make it to the center and return victorious, all without the aid of adult supervision. Despite the intended top-secret nature of it, it ended up being a very public affair. As they had wound their way deeper into the maze, they had gotten lost and were stalked by a terrifying creature that had taken Jack. A massive search involving most of the adults commenced for the rest of the night, but they never found his friend. And no one believed a word of what the two boys said about the monster. But, having seen the corn man with his own eyes, Gregory couldn't possibly convince himself that the creature hadn't been real and the long, lanky limbs that had ensnared Jack reached through Gregory's nightmares whenever he closed his eyes. His father's voice grounded him in the real world, and that was often all he needed to help him fall asleep. Now, looking into the forest, he realized that he had drifted off to sleep before his father came home the previous night. Perhaps they had begun construction on the new bunkhouse, and his father had chosen to spend the night there. Gregory asked his mother as much when he returned to the farmhouse a few minutes later. Dinner will be ready soon, was her reply. Go wash up. She wouldn't say anything further, but he could tell she was worried, and he knew that something was very wrong. 
He waited, wide awake that night in bed, straining to hear the sound of the front door opening and his father's voice to wipe all his fears away. But neither came. The only sound he heard was the continuous footsteps of his mother pacing back and forth across the kitchen floor. Finally, after nearly two hours, they ascended the stairs and faded into the bedroom. He heard the creak of the door close, and then a terrible silence fell across the house. Not even the sound of wind outside in the trees could be heard. Dark River was surprisingly alive and loud at night, especially being so close to the forest. Countless nocturnal animals emerged, bustling about their nightly business. But not tonight. It was as if all living things had departed to somewhere farther off, and only the dead remained behind. Only the dead remained behind. The instant that thought entered Gregory's mind, it wouldn't leave, and he knew what he had to do. It was the last thing he wanted to do, but he forced himself out of his bed, pulled on his wool pants and slipped out of his bedroom, tiptoeing down the stairs so as not to wake his mother. The house was dark and strangely ominous, silently breathing while his own breath felt short. Once or twice, he nearly fell down the stairs trying to avoid a particularly creaky section, but he caught himself at the last moment. Once he arrived at the front door, he paused. Then he lit a lantern from the side table and headed out into the blackness. It took his eyes a few moments to adjust. Normally the field would be lit by the moon and a brilliant canopy of stars, but tonight it was clouded over, just like it had been nearly a year ago when he entered into the corn maze. He pushed the thought from his mind as he crossed the field. The darkness around him felt thick as he headed towards the forest, and although he couldn't yet see the entrance, he knew where to find it. Finally, it appeared, a big black void cut into the tree line. The wooden road tapered into the blackness. The men had built it by laying large pieces along the ground, and then placing hundreds of thinner pieces across it, like a railroad with no spaces between the slats. He had heard his father refer to it as a corduroy road, and the name was fitting. Everything about it was jagged and mismatched. Strangely beautiful, yet threatening in the lamplight, as if it dared anyone to enter at their own risk. Even though Gregory had explored the woods many times long before this road was built, the very presence of it made him suddenly terrified to step off of it once he began following its path. Suddenly, part of the forest was tamed, and everything around it was wild. He didn't know how long he had been standing there, lost in a swirl of thoughts, but he snapped himself out of it. The wind picked up as if to encourage him, and a chill ran down his spine. It was getting colder, and the night was getting darker. Come on, Gregory, he whispered. There's no corn man in there. And with that, 
he stepped onto the road and into the blackness. The lamplight splashed across the trees, briefly illuminating some while casting shadows upon others. The silence around him was deafening, as if he had entered an underground tunnel. Strange. He had never heard the woods so quiet. The only sound he could hear was the sound of his footsteps on the wooden boards. He snatched a few glances at the forest around him. He could see sections of small trees that had been felled to make way. They lay like giant bones strewn across the forest floor. And now he noticed something else. Some of them were half sunk into the ground. He stopped and leaned over the edge, casting more light across them. The ground rippled and shimmered, and he jumped back, almost stepping off the other side before catching himself. He tentatively looked again. It took a few moments for his eyes to adjust before he understood that he was entering a boggy area and the road was all that was keeping him from stepping into the swampy water. He swallowed and turned his attention ahead, vowing not to look over the edge again. He took a deep breath and continued onward. The road wound and curved here and there. He could see where the men had avoided large pines, saving them for logging later on when they were fully set up at the bunkhouse. He was deep into the woods now, and he stole a quick glance behind him. It was the same as the view ahead. Pitch black, the boards disappearing no further than a few feet away from him. He felt panic begin to rise, and quickly turned back around, pressing on at a faster pace. He just needed to find the bunkhouse. Luckily, unlike Barker's corn maze, this road had a single path, and he just needed to reach the end. He turned a corner around a large pine and stopped, giving his eyes a chance to adjust to the change in landscape he saw before him. It was a good thing he had, for the road abruptly ended a few feet beyond him. Carefully, he stepped off the boards, testing the ground and finding it solid. He lifted the lantern to reveal a clearing with a large structure in the center of it. He stepped in to get a closer look. The bunkhouse was only partially built. The wooden foundation had been laid, and a few structural pieces had been erected, but there were still large portions of walls yet to be built, and the roof was not on. Even though he knew then that he was the only living soul here, he needed to be sure. Dad, he whispered, are you there? Is anyone there? The forest answered with silence. Holding the lantern up, he stepped closer to get a better look. He could see the stone hearth inside, and the beginnings of the bunks where the men would sleep feet first towards the fire. He had heard the term for them before, but had forgotten it. Something like a gun or a cannon with the men loaded in each one while they... A shriek shattered the silence behind him, and he whipped around, nearly tripping over the foundation. 
His heart pounded in his chest, and his eyes searched frantically in the dark. Then something black grazed his cheek, and it was his turn to scream. By the time he realized what it had been and got his breath back under control, the crow had flown off and was cawing in the distance. It was time to get out. Clearly, his father wasn't here. He turned away from the half-erected structure, stealing one glance back as he crossed the clearing. It looked like an ominous sunken shipwreck at the bottom of a black sea. He quickened his pace towards the tote road with little regard for how much noise he made, for bears or other wildlife were the least of his concerns right now. He just needed to be home. He picked up his pace again. Now he was walking with much larger steps, driving onward, homeward, the lamp illuminating the dark void ahead. The curves in the road appeared just in time for him to avoid walking off the edge, and he quickly corrected, gliding along the road with purpose. He didn't dare look behind him now, for there was something about moving quickly that instinctively caused him to be much more terrified for his safety, a flight response that rendered him instant prey. To what? He wasn't willing to turn and see. He kept his focus directly in front of him, turned another corner, and that's when he stopped dead and his breath froze in his chest, his eyes wide with disbelief at the sight before him. The road abruptly stopped, but not at the edge of the forest. Thick trees blocked the way, creating a dead end. This couldn't be. He remembered following the single road in. There were no offshoots, no other pathways. But no, he must have missed a spot where it branched off on his way in. It was dark, after all, and the men must have started another road to somewhere else. He just had to turn around and retrace his steps until he found the main stretch again. Just as he was about to head back the way he came, Something about the dead end caught his eye. Something... odd. The logs at the end of the road curled and went into the ground, as if the road continued down into the earth. He had seen enough. He turned and quickly headed back the way he came. There was another bend up ahead, which must be where he had gotten off course for he remembered taking that turn. That had to be where the main portion of the road met up. He took the corner again and came to an abrupt halt, true panic now foaming in his gut. It was another dead end. The road descended down into the earth, just like the last one, as if inviting him to walk into hell. No, 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 how could this be? What was happening? His brain was spinning out of control, and the only thought at the center of it was that he needed to get out of there immediately. He was trapped inside a dark maze, only this time he was alone and had totally lost his sense of direction. Nelson and Jack weren't with him to help find the way out. Suddenly, the memory of being in the corn maze with them illuminated one comforting thought. The moon. He could use the moon to orient himself and get his sense of direction back. But it was cloudy 
the moon was nowhere to be. There it was. It peeked out, casting its bright white light down upon the trees behind him. And as he turned to walk back down the road, the black figure, now silhouetted in the moonlight, gave a low moan. The form was human, but thin and gnarly, as if all the fat had been sucked off it, leaving only skin and bones. It hunched to one side, and its jagged arms protruded out, bony fingers splayed up in all directions, as if in a comical shrug. But there was nothing funny about it, and the only thing that prevented Gregory from screaming was the fact that he couldn't summon enough breath. The thing moaned again and took a step towards him. He felt the weight of it reverberating along the wood. The thing was unnaturally heavy for its size. It was wearing old boots, torn pants with one suspender gone, which dropped the one side, exposing white hip bone. The tattered clothes were dripping, and bits of mud splattered on the tote road as the thing shuffled towards Gregory. Something hit him in the back before he realized that he had been stepping in time with the thing and had backed up into a tree. He saw the road in his peripheral vision veer off to his right, and he turned and sprinted as fast as he could. He whipped around a corner only to discover another dead end, only this time the road tapered into a white pine, the edge disappearing into the bark as if the tree was eating it. Turning back around, he saw only the road and darkness behind him. Where was the thing? He lifted the lantern to peer into the blackness. Nothing. Slowly, he began creeping back the way he came, frantically looking left and right. Still no sign of it. He was just about to come around the corner again when he heard the shuffling directly behind him and he bolted. The road in front of him curved and swerved in unimaginable ways, angles that hadn't been there moments before. Let me out, he screamed, and cut around a sharp curve to the right, only to encounter a sight straight out of one of his nightmares. The road spiraled up, off the ground, turning in jagged loops, twisting and writhing tighter as he looked on in horror. He felt the thing grab the lantern and pull his hand up towards its face. In a wave of blind panic, he ran off the path into the forest, tearing through the trees, still clutching the lantern. Thank you for listening thus far. In a moment, we'll return to the dark of the forest. But first, I'd like to let you know that we have new original spooky stories coming every three weeks. So follow the show on your favorite platform so that you never miss an episode. If you enjoy your time in this haunting town, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or through our new website, darkriver.ca. I'd also like to take a moment to say a big thank you to the Region of Waterloo Arts Fund for supporting this episode and the show in general. Halloween is on the horizon, and there are more spooky happenings in Dark River yet to come. But now, 
let's leave the road behind and plunge into the darkness after Gregory. In a wave of blind panic, he stepped off the path into the forest, tearing through the trees, still clutching the lantern. He could hear the thing lumbering after him, its moans turning to grunts, faster and faster, louder and louder, and he ran harder and harder. And he could feel wind now on his face, and that was when the lantern burned out. And he tore through the blackness, praying that he didn't collide with a tree, all thoughts left in the woods behind him, his legs moving of their own accord, his breath burning in his chest, his heart pounding, leaves and branches tearing at his face and his arms, and now a ghastly shriek from behind him, and he put his head down, closed his eyes, and yelled, OUT! In a flash, everything changed. He sat up with a sharp inhale, trying to make sense of what he was seeing. Gone were the woods, gone was the road, gone was the thing. Slowly, he came to. He was sitting with his back against the inside of his front door. His breath eased as he tried to shake off the nightmare. He had come down the stairs to venture into the woods in search of his father, and had fallen asleep before he'd even made it out the front door. For all he knew, his father had come home, and there was nothing to worry about. It must have been the change in the weather that caused him extra stress, keeping him awake these last few nights. Halloween was approaching from afar, and Gregory knew that he would have some of his own demons to contend with after what happened last year. Every time he looked at a carved pumpkin this year, he knew that he would think of Jack in the corn maze carrying the lantern. His own lantern sat on the side table next to the door, and he glanced at it as he stood up to return to bed. Gregory would hear tomorrow from his mother about the men that would come around to his house, how they would tell her that his father was missing, that he had walked off into the woods to clear a path and never returned, how they went looking for him and had to turn back when they came across a bog how they called his name over and over to no avail. He would hear all of that later. Now, however, all thoughts of where his father might be were extinguished in a flash of certainty. Looking at the lantern now, he could see that it was lit. The flame flickered through the glass and around something protruding from it. He shuffled closer and pulled it out. The torn edge of his father's sleeve would have caught fire had it not been soaked in muddy water. And Gregory felt his own flood begin, streaming down his cheeks. He sat on the stairs and tried not to sob too loudly, for he did not want to wake his mother. Let her rest for one more night. And for years to come, lumberjacks told stories about Dark River's haunted bunkhouse, the corduroy road that would appear on certain moonless nights to lure people into the forest, 
and the ghostly swamper that would help the lucky ones find their way home. This has been a tale from Dark River, written and hosted by me, Philip Sitka. I also produced the show, as well as composed the music for it. The podcast artwork was done by Chris Sitka. For more history of small-town life in northern Ontario in the early 20th century, be sure to follow our Instagram at Dark River Podcast. Though based on actual history, this story is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living, dead, or other is entirely coincidental and unintentional. Thank you for stopping by, and see you soon.